one and all, and welcome to Film Fragments, a podcast where we take fragments of an actor, director, and genre and tell you our favorites from their catalog. My name is Brian Seffield. I am your host, and today we'll be talking about our favorite film star and Oscar nominee Harrison Ford in honor of the highly anticipated Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the fifth and final installment of the long-spanned Indiana Jones franchise. This is a very, very exciting episode. Harrison Ford is one of the most prolific actors working today. He's one of the most celebrated actors working today, and he's one of the most popular actors working today. This guy's been around for nearly five decades, tackling film after film, acting in gigantic franchises, some of the biggest in Hollywood history, and today we're going to be celebrating this guy's work, and I'm very excited to welcome today's guest. Our guest today is a Denver-based critic. He is a member of the Hollywood Critics Association, Critics' Choice, and the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics. Some of his bylines include Screen Ranch, Giant Freaking Robot, Edge Media Network, and In Magazine, and he is also the founder of Madnay with Matt. Guys, it is Matt Creeth. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. It's nice to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I cannot wait to delve into the career of Harrison Ford with you. But before we get into talking about Harrison Ford, I would just love to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself, talk about what you do, what got you into film, and why you love it so much. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I started out loving movies as a kid, as anybody else does. Uh, my dad's a huge film buff and introduced me to such classics as Tremors and Die Hard when I was a, a young uh, boy and uh, just fell in love with movies ever since and ended up going to film school at Cal State Northridge in uh, Los Angeles, California and have lived in Austin, Texas and now in Denver and continue to enjoy movies here. I uh, had started being a film critic about 10 years ago and have been very fortunate to work for several different outlets since amazing stuff i love all the content that you're pumping out i think it's so exciting that you're doing what you do and you. yeah of course absolutely and you know to go into our topic today about harrison ford i always like to throw curveball questions at the start of these podcasts so you're given the opportunity to take one harrison ford character out to dinner whether it's with your family friends or just yourself which character would it be and why Oh, I mean, Indiana Jones, I think. I mean, and it's not just because Dallas Destiny is coming out, but I mean, I think everybody wants to have dinner with Indiana Jones, right? Like, that's just, I want to hear all of those stories. I, you know, uh, hopefully it's a younger Indiana Jones and not maybe older <laughs> Indiana Jones in the, in the 1980s, maybe fighting Nazis. That's a lot better. But uh, yeah, I, I would definitely want to have dinner with him. And I'm going to choose the other basic answer, and I'm going to go Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> Jan Han Solo specifically. Jan Han Solo specifically, because Jan Han Solo, he could be daddy for sure. But yeah. also, like, you know, I would love to hear about the Kessel Run and everything he's done with the Falcon. And then, you know, maybe I could swing in and steal Princess Leia from him and everything just behind his back. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's so obvious to go with those two because, I mean, how could you not? I mean, really, yeah. how could you? you not truly it's insane that if anyone were to pick characters besides indiana jones and han solo i would just love to know who those characters would be and you know speaking of harrison ford he's obviously our topic today and i would love to pose this question to you why do you think a lot of people get excited whenever they see harrison ford's name attached to a project and what makes you such a fan of harrison ford and why do you think he's beloved by so many 
Well, uh, before we started this podcast today, um, I marathoned a few of his movies, luckily, um, got the chance to over the weekend. And I noticed something. He is top billed in almost every single movie that I put on. Um, and I think there's a reason for it. He is dashing. He's handsome. He's uh, charismatic. And uh, he's funny. He's funny as fuck. He's like in every movie, even Indiana Jones, when it's supposed to be action-packed and adventure he's he's got some quips he's got um some looks to him that uh he's basically almost looking at the camera almost every single time like can you believe this shit kind of thing um he is he is a great all-around actor and he has been in every genre you can think of he has been in romantic comedies dramas sci-fi adventures action adventures um, thrillers, crime thrillers. I mean, it's it's stunning what this man has done. And I think that's a lot of it. I think everybody kind of just realizes he's a great actor. He's charismatic on the screen and, and they want to go see him. Yeah, he just evokes this great likability to him, even though he gets very cocky. I think that's a part of the shit that he likes to invoke oh, yeah. off camera because all in all, he just seems like a very humble guy. Like he obviously cares so much about the craft on display, even though he likes to poke fun at certain projects that he's involved with. You could always tell that he is committed to giving the best in every project that he is attached to. Whether it is a comedy or a drama or an action film or a sci-fi film, or even if he's doing animation. I mean, it was just very recently where he finally did his first voice role in the movie, which is insane to believe that it took him a little over 70 years to actually do a vocal performance. That's that's wild. That's purely or nuts. It's, TV, like we were talking about TV, before we got on here. I mean, it's TV amazing too. that, like... The man is almost, I think he's almost 82 this year. I think in a couple uh-huh. of weeks, he's 82. Yeah. And what he's doing on Shrinking, um, I haven't gotten a chance to see 1923 yet, but, you know, I mean, Shrinking is amazing. It's an incredible show. And he is just hitting every mark. He is doing everything he can to stand out from this cast. And it's a great cast. It's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And he's honestly, like, if all pans out very, very well, if Apple goes hard with this campaign, he could win his first Emmy. Oh, yeah. He honestly is on track to win his first Emmy. 100%. And I love his wardrobe. He's wearing, like, hats in this show that, like, you would never think in a million years that somebody like Harrison Ford at his age, not, like, I hate to keep mentioning his age because he's in the new Indiana Jones. He's on a hit TV show. The man's doing everything that he was doing when he was, like, 30s and 40s. But yeah. it's it's incredible what he's doing. And, uh, and he's, I, it looks like, from, from an audience perspective, it looks like this guy is having the most fun he's ever had doing Shrinking. I think yeah. he is loving it. I think his cast members are loving him in it. it. It just really seems that way, just coming off the screen. Absolutely. And that seems to be the case with a lot of these projects, is that everyone universally talks about how much they love working with Harrison Ford. And we love watching him on screen, which is why we're here today to talk about our favorite film starring him. So I just say without further ado, let's get into our top five films starring Harrison Ford. So, Matt, what is your number five favorite Harrison Ford film? All right. So I kind of cheated and I have a tie here. Um, So I apologize ahead of time. But there is a reason. Um, I picked Working Girl and What Lies Beneath as a tie. And the reason being... They are two incredibly different movies, but for some reason, he works so well in these movies as a lead. And I say lead because 
Working Girl, Mike Nichols film, probably my favorite Mike Nichols film ever. Um, he, the, the entire movie is about Melanie Griffith, um, plays a character who uh, initially starts out as a secretary, but by happenstance, her, her new boss, Sigourney Weaver, is um, laid up and she's injured and, and can't come to work for a couple of weeks. And so um, Melanie Griffith's character, Tess McGill, takes it upon herself to, uh, you know, kind of play boss for, for a couple of weeks and um, try to try to get um, a um, merger done with a, with a new partner. And she's working with Harrison Ford's character to do that. Um, Harrison Ford should have probably been the third build in this movie, but he is first build in a movie called Working Girl, starring Melanie Griffith, who was nominated for the Oscar for Best Actress for that. It's amazing that, you know, obviously maybe it's because of name recognition or studio involvement or whatnot that he was top build, but there is a reason. He Everybody remembers him from this movie. He's charismatic as shit. He is there's a scene where he um, crashes a wedding with Melanie Griffith's character um, to try to talk to um, a specific potential business partner. And it's like a Caribbean themed kind of wedding. And he has no idea why he's there. He goes right to the bar, says he's going to order two drinks and presumably for himself and Melanie Griffith. And he decides to just down one of these drinks in one gulp while everybody around him is saying, my gosh, how handsome is this man? Wow. This is like, and it's as if Harrison Ford himself had walked into this wedding. He just oozes that charisma and it's a wonderfully funny scene. He takes the second drink that you think is going to be for her. And then he starts sipping it and walks away. And it's just one of those kind of like small little tiny sequences that nobody would have ever been able to think that any other actor other than Harrison Ford would have been able to hit that mark. And it, it's amazing. Um, in the movie, he plays just kind of the, the kind of guy that you would want to bring home to your mom, right? Like he is a, a very respected business leader. He's kind of down on his luck in a little, in a little bit of ways, but he uh, decides to kind of hook up with Melanie Griffith's character. They get together, um, not only professionally, but personally, um, they, they kind of start a love affair um, under false pre pretenses. Um, but in the end, he kind of does the right things. I don't want to spoil the movie, although it's like a 35-year-old movie. But uh, he, he, he does the right thing in the end. And that's what matters. And that's why we like Harrison Ford. The reason I chose What Lies Beneath as kind of a tie with it is because he is a bad boy in this movie. And it is the complete and utter opposite of the Jack Trainer character that he plays in Working Girl. We don't tend to see Harrison Ford as a bad boy in movies. We see him as Indiana Jones. We see him as Han Solo. We see him in Blade Runner where he's playing a cop. There are reasons that he tends to play a lot of the similar characters. And in this one, What Lies Beneath, he plays a murderer. We don't know that until kind of towards the end of the movie. But the whole movie is about Michelle Pfeiffer's kind of going nuts in their house in Vermont where she thinks she's seeing ghosts and she's haunted by kind of uh, what, what's going on in the house. And she, she feels like she's going crazy. And um, at, at the end of the movie, we realize she's not going crazy. Her husband's actually gaslighting her and she, and he's a murderer and is going to try to kill her. And it's just the complete polar opposite. And it's such a fun movie to see Harrison Ford do completely opposite of what you have ever seen him do in any movie. It's very rare to see him play this kind of character. And I just thought it was a good idea to do a tie because uh, 
I wanted to sneak it in there, What Lies Beneath. Um, even though it's not the greatest of movies, um, but back to back, he's working with, you know, Working Girls 1988 um, with Mike Nichols and What Lies Beneath is Robert Zemeckis in 2000, 12 years later. So um, it's amazing. It's a it's a good good uh, start to his filmography to talk about these this range that this actor has. That's a very interesting tie for sure. Now, I told you <laughs> off air that I unfortunately have not seen Working Girl. It's been on my yeah. list for quite some time. I'm a big Michael Nichols fan, and somehow I've never seen this one. And while you were talking, I was looking up some of its award success. It got nominated for a lot of Oscars. Mm-hmm. It won sure Best did. Original Song for Let the River Run by Carly Simon. Literally and three of the actors. Literally if three you, the actors got nominated, and none of them were Harrison Ford. I mean, like, I'm Harrison Ford. Like, and uh, if you if you rewatch that movie, I should say, if you watch that movie for the first time, let the river run will stay in your head for about ten days after it. Uh, no, no more, no less. But um, yes, well deserved win on Carly Simon's part. But yeah, no Harrison Ford there. As someone who loves New York and lives near New York, and you know, I was reading that some of this film was actually shot in my home state of New Jersey. That's pretty cool. So it kind of makes it up much more of a priority to watch. And then <laughs> What Lies Beneath is so fascinating to me because I do like Harrison in it, and I love Michelle, and I think they mm-hmm. work off each other so excellently. It's one of my least favorite Semeca's films. I don't think it's a bad film by any means, but I've always found the story of when they made this to be more fascinating than the movie itself because for anyone listening that doesn't know when they made What Lies Beneath, so Robert Semeca's was filming this very tiny little-known movie with Tom Hanks, a very small actor <laughs> called Castaway. Yeah. Um, and they halted production for a whole year, and to keep Robert Zemeckis and the crew of Castaway, minus Tom Hanks, still working during the time when Tom Hanks was growing out that beard and losing all that weight, they decide, oh, let's make another movie in that time. So then they made What Lies Beneath, same crew, everything. Like, I find that to be so cool. They're like, oh, what are we going to do for the next year while Tom Hanks is losing weight and growing this beard? Oh, we're just going to make a movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. And I've, I find that to be so fucking cool. I find that to be so, so cool. And I've been due for a rewatch of this for quite some time. I've heard so many people kind of garner a cult following towards this movie. Like, it's garnered a little bit of a cult status to it. Like, it's obviously not one of Robert Zemeckis' top-rated films, but certainly not one of his low-rated films either, because not to be that guy, I don't think Robert Zemeckis has made a good film in forever since then i in my opinion i I, you can be that guy all you want to it's uh i I, for 22 23 years i don't think that unfortunately he's made a a a really great film since then but you don't like you don't you you don't you don't like flight uh oh you know what i guess what i do i do appreciate flight flight is is not a terrible movie it is not something that i go to immediately um when i think of zemeckis um, but uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I think like flight is not a terrible movie, but it's, um, you know, I, okay. Since flight, <laughs> and I, will, I will say, I will say that um, I'm a, I'm a I, big defender yeah. of flight. I love flight. I love flight. Um, it might mostly be because it might be because of Denzel. That might be why I love yeah. it so much, but, uh, no, I mean, Semeckis has really been more of a miss than a hit these last yeah. few years. And I'm really hoping that he bounces back because he has that potential. He really has that potential in him. 
Like oh, he's yeah. made so many great movies. I mean, Back to the Future is one of my favorite films ever. Yeah, I know a lot Forrest of people Gump. hate. I know a lot of people hate Forrest Gump, and I know a lot of people love Forrest Gump. I'm in the I love Forrest Gump camp. I get yeah. why people hate it. And Castaway, I think is fucking brilliant. I think it's, it. it's brilliant. And yeah, I I hope he has another winner. And you know, going into my number five, I'm gonna go with Air Force One. That's my number five. Um, <laughs> this movie is so ridiculous, but it's such a blast. He's the president of the United States. He's flying Air Force One. Then Gary Oldman hijacks the plane, and shenanigans ensue. And it's one of the coolest set on a plane movies. It was in the midst of all these action movies coming out. This is very '90s. It feels very '90s, but it makes sense because it came out literally in the '90s during the peak of all these action movies. There was like Independence Day around this time. The Rock was around this time. Uh, Armageddon was around this time. I cannot think of any other '90s action films on top of my head that came out around this Deep time. Impact but and, Deep yeah. Impact. But this is so—it's so fun. It's so entertaining, and Harrison embraces it. He goes all out with it. And Gary Oldman—I mean, how could you not love Gary Oldman? Oh yeah, he, Ga- young Gary, Gary Oldman. Gary, young Gary Oldman, exactly. Um, <laughs> Gary Oldman is one of those actors that could play sweet and humble so well. But then he could play very villainous and terrifying so superbly. It's yeah. insane how much range that that guy has. And this is going to be a very fun take. I think this performance is more Oscar-worthy than the film that he actually won the Oscar for, for like 20 years hour. later. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, when Gary Oldman's embracing the villain, it kind of reminded me so much of what Alan Rickman did in Die Hard. Like, it reminded me so much of that. It was just so goofy and zany, but it wasn't to the point where it just felt like a caricature. Like, I was genuinely terrified of Gary Oldman's character here. And I love Harrison, too. And, of course, the iconic, get off my plane. It's oh, great. Yeah. It's it's great. I mean, there's really not much to say. It's been a hot minute since I've seen Air Force One. But I remember when I was a teenager, I would watch this on loop all the time. I don't know why. I don't know what made me do it. But I guess I just loved mindless, entertaining action movies from the 90s. Like, I love myself a good art house, pretentious Oscar awardsy type sure. of movie. I love those kinds of movies, but every once in a while, it is fun to watch movies where you could shut your brain off and just be entertained. Yeah. And to people out there that don't like those kinds of movies, I'm not saying you have to just like those kinds of movies, but if you don't at least like a few of them, I'm sorry. What is the matter with you? <laughs> not to be that um, mean guy, but like seriously. But yeah, Air Force One is my number five. Are you going to pass or is this not on your list? So it's not on my list, but there's – but okay. So when we talk about somebody like Harrison Ford who has been working literally for 50 years in this in this industry – um, it's impossible to squeeze all of his movies into just mm-hmm. like a top five. It just simply is. Yeah. Um, so I do have it on my list as an honorable mention. Um, it was one that I, I caught um, over the weekends. I rewatched it. Um, the get off my plane part is just, I mean, it's obviously the most memorable part of that entire movie, mm-hmm. but when you rewatch it and it had been a few years since I've rewatched this movie, when you rewatch that and then like the shoot opens and Gary Oldman flies out um and 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 dies it is the equally funniest part of that movie and the most like hair raising and wonderful part of that movie it is just absolute pure adrenaline and exactly what you go and see that kind of movie for edge of your seat it's a thriller that movie is an absolute thriller 
And I do love that movie because of uh, Glenn Close as well, playing the vice oh, president. She I is, love, and, and we're love talking, her. Yep. this is 1997. You would like to have hoped that in the late 90s, we were a little more progressive with um, with our politics in real life, but we weren't. We, it took us, you know, a good 25 years until <laughs> we actually saw a female vice president. Um, but back then, they put her front and center, and she is she is like the last um, credited in in the in the opening credits. Um, she gets that coveted, you know, and Glenn Close saved the best for last. Um, yeah, um, but she's most of this movie. I mean, if you rewatch it, like Harrison Ford's obviously the lead, and Gary Oldman is the is the terrorist. He's the he's the bad guy. Um, but Glenn Close is doing her part. She is she is there. She is um, in almost every single scene. It's it's kind of amazing what they what they put her through for this movie. And I think a lot of people forget that that she's uh, she's a lead in that. Um, but uh, what's really funny about that movie is when you do rewatch it with 2023 eyes, um, the green screen does not really hold up as much. The yeah. visual effects aren't as great. Um, but you know what? For that time, it was. It was. We all loved it. It was that right. was a, that was go to the theater blockbuster type of movie, and um, and it's you know a little laughable right now, but it's still worth <laughs> the ride, and it's still it's still wonderful to watch. But um, and of course, like you said, he Harrison Ford flies the plane at one point. Um, you know, they they make an excuse in the movie that he's a former like pilot or something, and um, and he's a pilot in real life. So of course, they you know they want to showcase his abilities on screen as well. So you know he takes the controls as president of the United States, flying his own plane. Like it's ridiculous, but it's <laughs> awesome at the same time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, honorable mention on my part, but uh, didn't make the list, but. There's reason. There's there's a lot of good movies out there with Harrison. So yeah, absolutely. So now going into our number fours, what is your pick? Um, so my pick is Blade Runner. Um, cult cult favorites, uh, cult classic. Ended up getting a, a sequel um, a few years ago. Brian Gosling and Harrison Ford. Um, the reason being is because it's a sci-fi adventure, sci-fi crime thriller, and he is. He is, <laughs> as a gay man, I can say this. He has never looked better. Um, there, it, it's for whatever reason. Um, a lot of even in What Lies Beneath, um, in um, in Working Girl at one point, and in Blade Runner, uh, Harrison finds some way to take his shirt off. I don't know if this is in his contract or if this is uh, something that every director has just asked him to do, or if the character just kind of calls for it. But uh, in this movie, I don't think that man has ever looked better. Um, and it's just a fun, interesting movie. It's based off of a novel by um, Philip K. Dick. And um, an interesting kind of fact about that is that um, the writer of the novel ended up um, passing away in real life um, just shortly, I think, after the movie was released in theaters. Um, so he really never saw kind of a dime from um, any movie adaptations from any of his novels. Um, Minority Report was made from him, um, obviously Blade Runner 2049. Um, so it's, it's just kind Scanner of a... Scanner Darkly. Yeah, Scanner Darkly. Um, just kind of a, a sad thing on on the part of that author that he just never kind of saw it. But his estate sure did. So, um, but, but you know, in this movie, Blade Runner, um, he plays Rick Deckard. Um, he's a police officer. He's tasked with finding replicants, um, which are kind of androids who look and, and think like humans, 
um, he's trying to find four specific replicants that have come back to Earth to uh, um, prevent them from finding the head of the corporation that created them. Um, their intent is to kill him. Um, Rutger Hauer plays the plays the villain in the movie. Um, and of course, you know, Harrison Ford being a police officer detective, um, trying to sniff out the, the replicants. Uh, he falls in love with one of the replicants played by Sean Young. And um, there's always been kind of a controversy. I think it was eventually debunked when the sequel kind of came out, but there's always been a controversy about whether or not his character was actually human or a replicant. Um, there's like one very, very tiny part of the movie where you can kind of see his eyes um, flicker a little red, and that's usually the, the telltale sign of a replicant. And, uh, you know, Harrison Ford has actually come out and many years ago and said, I was not a replicant in the movie, I was a human. It's written as a human in the script. It's written as a human in the novel. Um, but I think Ridley Scott, who directed the movie, actually kind of fed into the controversy a little bit and said, well, maybe he's a replicant. I think I heard that somewhere at least. Um, so there's just like there's a lot to like about this movie. It is a little bit of a slow burn um, and, until the end when the final kind of climactic scene um, with uh, Rucker Hauer. And, um, but there's some great 1980s score um uh synthesizer kind of score from vangelis who did the uh a chariots of fire movie that um he won the oscar for that mm -hmm. um and of course um i rewatched this movie and i forgot about this part um there's a little scroll at the beginning of the movie kind of giving context to the dystopian world of los angeles 2019 that this movie is set in and so i couldn't help but <laughs> kind of feel like Harrison Ford, his entire career for the last, I mean, 45 years, can't seem to escape a good like scroll at the beginning of a movie with Star Wars um, kind of explaining, you know, what's going on with the rebellion and whatnot. And then in this movie, there's this scroll kind of giving context to the to the world of, of Blade Runner. So um, it's just kind of a, a funny little theme that I picked up with uh, Harrison Ford's career there. So Blade Runner is not on my list <laughs> i do i do like blade runner a lot i really do i haven't watched blade runner in its entirety since 2049 came out six years ago um i do appreciate the cultural impact of it on the sci-fi filmmaking landscape Visually, it, I'm shocked that this film still looks as good as it does, considering that yeah, this film it, came out 40 years ago. It's so in, it, incredible that it looks as great as it does. The score is one of the best, I think, in mm -hmm. a Hollywood film. I really think that the score for this is impeccable, and the performances are really, really wonderful. But what's funny about Blade Runner is that even though the original is not on my list, Crazy enough, my number four is 2049. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, I am in the camp where I personally prefer, not by much, I prefer 2049 over the original Blade Runner. Now, there's a lot of explanation behind this. When they announced that Blade Runner was finally getting the sequel after 30 years... I was definitely intrigued, but I wasn't going in being like, oh my god, I need this now, blah, 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 or oh my god, they're going to ruin the Blade Runner or whatever. But as soon as Denis Villeneuve hopped onto the project, I was so fucking stoked for it because at that point in his career, he had released Prisoners, which I think is 
a masterpiece. And then yeah. he released Enemy, which I also think is a masterpiece. And then not too long after it was announced that he was doing Blade Runner, Sicario came out, which was also a masterpiece. <laughs> and then he did Arrival, which, surprise, surprise, was it also a masterpiece. Really a masterpiece. <laughs> um, so literally at that point, he was four for four for me. And Ryan Gosling being attached as the lead, at that point in Ryan Gosling's career, I mean, he was pumping out great film after film. He was doing practically everything. Like, in the period of Blade Runner 2049's release, Ryan Gosling had The Big Short, The Nice Guys, La La Land, and Blade Runner 2049 all come out. That's incredible that's an incredible lineup of films and you know what's funny with harrison ford when the original blade runner came out this was honestly a phenomenal streak for him because during that time so we had empire strikes back raiders of the lost ark blade runner return of the jedi temple of doom and witness all come out back to back what a fucking streak yeah that is an incredible streak so with 2049 it's obviously even more of a slow burn because the original Blade Runner is just about two hours long. Twenty forty nine is almost an hour <laughs> longer. Yeah. And so imagine watching a very slow burn sci-fi film that's three hours long. And yeah. somehow what Denis Villeneuve is able to do is that it engrosses you into the story. It captures the scope that Ridley Scott had presented to us 35 years prior and places you back into this world, but also finds a way of expanding upon it. I think this is one of the best sequels ever made. I think on a filmmaking level, it is truly masterful. The fact that this was the first Oscar that Roger Deakins had won, I'm, I think it's a very deserving first win, but it's kind of sickening that he hadn't won an Oscar until this film came out. Wow. Yeah. The guy's been nominated for, what, like 20 Oscars, and he only has two to his name? I mean, pretty much almost every Sam Mendes work that he's done with him, um, Coen Brothers, it's amazing, yeah. It's incredible what he's able to do. I mean, the imagery here is truly breathtaking, mm-hmm. and I do wonder how much CGI they utilize in this movie, because the CGI they utilize, I mean, it blends in beautifully with the practical yeah. effects. I mean, it really is a visually striking movie. I remember seeing this when it came out. I went to a 10 p.m. show on a Thursday night. Oh, I thought I was going to fall asleep. I really thought... <laughs> I was going to fall asleep. Somehow I did not. I was shocked. I was truly shocked. Like the sequence where he walks to the ruins of Vegas and it's like the very orangey, saturated, mm-hmm. foggy. I, I That is one of the most beautiful images I've ever seen on screen. And I think Ryan Gosling was the perfect person to lead this film. Yeah. I really think that at this point, Ryan Gosling was so known for his very stoic, cold nature that he had kind of involved throughout a lot of his characters during that time. I mean, Drive really is the film that people think of right away when mm-hmm. you see that side of Ryan Gosling. And he brought it here as officer, as K, and he did such an incredible job. And even though Harrison Ford doesn't come in until about halfway through the movie, right. he jumps back into Rick Deckard. You could tell he's giving it his all because this was right after Force Awakens came out, which was obviously the big return of him as Han oh, yeah. Solo. And a lot of people were like, oh, is he just going to phone in this performance as Rick Deckard? 
I never thought that for a second because he was always so passionate about Blade Runner. He always talked about how much he loved working on the film, even though he constantly got into debates with Ridley Scott being like, oh, Rick Deckard is not a replicant, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but you could just tell that he gave it his all. And I think that in terms of his film performances these last couple of years, I think this was the best acting that he's given on screen in years. It was a very emotional turn as Rick Deckard. It was very beautiful. He secluded himself from everybody after what went down in that first film, everything that went down post that. And it's, it's a beautiful arc. And I think they did everything beautifully with that character. And I think Harrison knocked it out the park there. I truly loved 2049 and so sad because i hate to admit it but i've only seen it in its entirety just one time i haven't seen it since it came out and i've been dying to rewatch it again for years right before dune came out a few years ago i was going to do a whole denis valneuf binge luckily i could do that this year because dune part two comes out later this year so i have that luxury of doing it for this year but yeah denis Villeneuve is a master of what he does he's one of the absolute best filmmakers working today i've yet to see a bad movie from him i just think he finds a way of placing us into these worlds that he presents to us and we're just watching these characters go through these journeys and we're not seeing actors act we're actually seeing these characters like i don't when I watched this movie, I didn't think I was just watching Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford and every other cast member. I felt like I was watching their characters, and that was a beautiful thing. I really just think the filmmaking here is next level, and I think in terms of long sequels, like sequels that come out so long after their predecessor, this is a, an example of how to successfully pull that off. I really mm-hmm. loved Blade Runner 2049. So obviously you had the original Blade Runner <laughs> on your list. So I would love to hear your thoughts on 2049. Love it. Same. Um, like I said, it's really hard to, to narrow down five movies off of a 50 plus year career. Um, still love it. Um, and like you, I've only seen it the, the, the one time in its entirety um, in theaters. So I would love to rewatch that um, because there's a lot that, I know that I don't necessarily remember from from one watch. Um, I do remember, I think that was probably the first time that I saw Ana de Armas um, in, mm-hmm. a, in a movie. Um, yeah. At least the, in, in that big of a movie that she was that memorable mm-hmm. um, before Knives Out, before, you know, all of that. So, yeah. um, so that, that, that definitely stands out to me. Um, I, I picked Blade Runner, the original, just because it's all Harrison all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of it, it. It strikes me, especially upon rewatch of some of these movies, how many gigantic directors this man has worked with. Um, Denis being one of them, obviously, in, in the more modern filmmaking um, space. But, um, you know, Ridley Scott did the original. We haven't even talked about George Lucas and Steven Spielberg yet, um, which I know, obviously, we will probably get to in the top three. Um, but, uh, you know, um, the, when I was talking about Mike Nichols with working girl, um, witness is Peter Weir, um, witness, which I don't think is probably on either one of our lists, but, um, that's his sole Academy Award nomination, Harrison yeah. Ford. And it is a movie that I don't, it's, um, wonderful. It's a great movie. Um, very similar to Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 in that, um, it's kind of a pure, noir thriller um it's not sci-fi in any way it takes place in in an amish community but um you know he is 
kind of unwelcome amongst um, the Amish community in this movie. And um, his most of his his work is opposite, um, uh, you know, Amish woman and and um, a young boy, Lucas Haas. And um, he ended up, I think, losing the Oscar to William Hurt that year for Kiss of the Spider Woman and um, at, for Witness. And and it's amazing to me that in this stretch of time that we talked about his career and and his filmography in general, um, the fact that he did come back for 2049 for Blade Runner is amazing. I think that sometimes if you look at his IMDb page, Harrison Ford is probably like any of us done something for the money a little bit. Like he is an actor. This is a business. There are some uh, movies I'm sure that he would like to have forgotten that he was even in morning glory is probably one of them. Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, he, I, I think with 2049, there must've been something there that he wanted to, to reprise this role some 30 plus years later at that point, um, 40 years later, I should say. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful sequel, especially because the first one was kind of a, a cult classic in a way. It didn't really make that much money in theaters at the time. Uh, 2049 kind of, um, blew it out the water. I mean, so to speak, it would made a lot more money than the, than the first one ever did. It, it was, st- um, it was still a financial flop though, unfortunately. It, yeah. Um, um, that I know, but, um, uh, it both. But at least somebody felt uh, comfortable enough to to give it the green light to to, to make that sequel because I'm, I'm glad they and, did. And it's going to go down as one of the greatest sci-fi films yeah. of the 21st century. Like already, yeah. there are lists compiled of the best mm-hmm. of the genre of this century so far, and that's easily in like the top ten. Like, I'm pretty sure uh, every critic picked it as in their top ten that year. Um, the I, it was it was um, it was yeah. in my top ten that year. I can yeah. tell you that <laughs> it was it was like right right in my top ten, and I'm glad yeah. it was. Uh, man, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, both Blade Runner movies are truly exceptional, and you know to go into our number threes. I'm <laughs> so curious to know what your number three is. So tell us what your third pick is. So don't hate me, Brian, and don't hate me, anyone who's listening, but my number three is Star Wars A New Hope. Um, I have to pick a Star Wars movie in the top three, right? I mean, it just has to be. But he's Han Solo. He will be, when the day comes that uh, Harrison Ford leaves this earth and passes on, uh, I think his obituary will immediately read Han Solo, either that or Indiana Jones side by side. He is iconic. This is a character, Space Cowboy, that basically ushered in the blockbuster. Um, you know, it's a George Lucas movie, but Steven Spielberg is often credited with the blockbuster with Jaws, but we're talking two years later, and it's a couple years later, and it's uh, Star Wars, which just, I, I mean, talk about a franchise that Harrison Ford has been tied to most of his entire career, mm-hmm. and what I love about I, the reason I picked the first movie over say something like empire strikes back or, or any of the others or force awakens, but um, because that one is uh, a sad Harrison Ford, he is, uh, he passes on in that movie. Um, but in a new hope, it introduces three characters, Han Solo, Leia and Luke that we've never seen before. This is a, a, threesome in the first movie that you don't really know where it's going um who she's gonna pick then we learn that she actually can't pick her brother so why wouldn't she pick han um 
but that's later on. Um, in A New Hope, it is a it is a type of movie that we have we had never really seen on screen before. Um, his character is snarky and good looking and wants to be a loner so bad, but I think that he really enjoys being part of that pack. Eventually, um, he had no interest in joining the Rebel Alliance, but then falls in love with Leia and eventually fights against the Galactic Empire eventually. And, you know, it's like I said, it's an iconic character and he plays it with absolute comedy and bravado and ego. And it's everything that we love about Harrison Ford is in that movie, in that character. If I could just pick the franchise in this in this um, section, I would. But um, picking this movie just because it started it all. Um, it's he's the kind of original bad boy with an ego, but kind of a heart of gold. And uh, you get to see that over the course of other films in the franchise. But um, but initially he's just this kind of, you know, rough around the edges guy that um, wants to be a loner, but he's not. Um, and uh, so that's why I picked Star Wars. But I do want to say, since we keep talking about kind of little trivia tidbits and whatnot, um, I'm sure people that know Harrison Ford's career kind of know a lot of this already, but he was kind of a bit player for a long time. Uh, he was an actor that kind of just got one-off kind of TV episodes and little movies here and there before Star Wars. Um, he eventually decided that his career just wasn't going the way that he wanted it to go kind of late sixties, early seventies. So he decided to be a carpenter and put kind of his like um, hands to work in a, in a different way. And, um, he ended up landing some really big clients like Joan Didion and um, Francis Ford Coppola and mm. George Lucas, I think. And um, for Coppola, like he recognized how I think good looking this guy was and how probably good of an actor he was. And so he put him in Apocalypse Now and he put him in um, the conversation. And George Lucas, who kind of is around that um, team of people, um, ended up putting him in Star Wars. But he at first was kind of a, a line reader with people that were auditioning. He didn't cast him initially. He asked him just to kind of uh, read lines with people as they were auditioning. And then eventually he was, George Lucas was just like, like, do you want to be Han Solo? Do you want to be cast? Um, and so he ended up casting him. And that's kind of, it's, it's just funny when you think of Harrison Ford at, at this stage in his career, who wouldn't hire him to be a lead, but Back in the early 70s, they didn't. And uh, eventually he ended up getting Star Wars and his career just took off. Before that, American Graffiti with George mm -hmm. Lucas in a very minor role. But yep. um, Star Wars just catapulted him into international fame. And that's why I chose that one for number yeah. three. Yeah, so before I answer, if I pass, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's obviously on my list. But um, what's your favorite Han Solo quote? It could be something from A New Hope or it could be from the entire Star Wars franchise. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, punch it, Chewie, I guess, is just yeah. like, you know, they showed that. Um, they showed a little bit of that. I don't think they said punch it, Chewie in, in Force Awakens, but he kind of alluded to that at one point. Um, uh, but I, that's something that uh, my friend Joe and I say to each other all the time just like joking around and it's just, I think that's just probably my favorite just cause it's just nostalgia and just what it is. But, um, what's yours? Um, Oh man, I don't know. I have to really think about that. I'm going to have to think about that when I talk about star Wars <laughs> later on. Um, 
so yeah, obviously pass on Star Wars. I'm not gonna say which Star Wars film is on my okay. list, but I, I will say <laughs> pass on Star Wars. Uh so my number three is my favorite non franchise film starring Harrison Ford, and that is The Fugitive from nineteen ninety three, which just Got celebrated it. its for its thirtieth anniversary. Uh, a couple of days ago, I believe, actually, like just it just hit its 30th anniversary a couple of days ago, which is crazy. So um, I love The Fugitive so much. I think this is just such a wickedly entertaining good time. It's a thrill ride from start to finish. Harrison Ford plays Dr. Richard Kimball, who's accused of murdering his wife. And then he is just on the run. And that's really the plot. That's it. That's it. There's there's nothing else to the plot. But Richard Kimball is trying to figure out something. And he's constantly pointing fingers and go, you find this man. You find this man who killed my wife. I didn't kill my wife. That and That's all he does throughout the movie. And then it leads to one of my favorite confrontations in the film. It's when they're at the Hoover Dam or at the waterfall. He just goes, I didn't kill my wife. And then Tommy Lee Jones is just like, I don't care. <laughs> it's 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 so good it's, it's so good oh man and uh, j- shout out to tom lee jones he's fantastic in this movie oscar winning performance actually crazy yep. enough it's it's insane you would for never Tommy, think that not for harrison not harrison was even nominated for this which is <laughs> yeah. disgusting which is kind of ridiculous you nominate the film for best picture yeah you not you give tommy lee jones an oscar but you don't even nominate the star now, yeah. would Harrison Ford have won the Oscar? Probably not, because this was the year that Tom Hanks won for Philadelphia, which is, yeah. which is like next level performance, and maybe Tom Hanks' best performance ever. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's a discussion for a different time. But, yeah. um, yeah, The Fugitive is so so good, and what I love so much about it is that yes, it's a little cheesy and everything, but it somehow isn't as cheesy as people think. I find it to be such an engrossing thriller i we don't really get thrillers like this anymore and it's crazy too because this was actually based on a tv show from the 60s and um you wonder to yourself how could they cram a whole tv show into a two-hour movie they somehow knocked it out of the park and you know a lot of it really has to do with harrison ford as Richard Kimball, he's this world-renowned surgeon, and he. There's a reason why we love Harrison Ford so much because of that charisma, that charm, that cockiness, that arrogance. But we don't really get films like this anymore, where it's the chase films. Like it's just so exciting because you're on the edge of your seat, literally the whole time, being like. Did this man kill his wife or did he not? But we all have a feeling that he didn't kill his wife. But we're all just like, we don't know. We don't know what what exactly is going on. And, you know, when he made this film, he was in his early 50s. And as soon as he shaved off that beard, I'm like, hey, yeah, Richard Kimball could be daddy. He could be he could be daddy for sure. But um, <laughs> he could be daddy with the beard. He was uh, like, that oh, was, he, I, I don't he, think we've ever really seen him with a beard like that. before. No, never, never. Not to that extent. And yeah, he's so good in it. And it's just a really entertaining movie. It's just so much fun to watch. And. I think it's cool that this got nominated for Best Picture because you watch this movie, you would never think in a million years this would get nominated for Best Picture. And this was at the point where there were only five nominees for Best Picture. Five nominees. And then when you look back at what was nominated that year 
for the Oscars. Schindler's List won, Schindler's List won, which, I mean, you you can't beat that. You (laughs) really can't beat that. That's, like... I think everybody knew that they weren't going to beat that, but also nominated for best picture alongside Sherman's list and the fugitive was in the name of the father, the piano and the mm-hmm. remains of the day. And man, I mean, great films. I, I have not seen the remains of the day and I unfortunately have not seen the piano. That's the one that's been on my list for so long, but you know, it's not I, my favorite, yeah. but uh, I like it fine. Uh, Remains of the Day is actually a very good movie. Um, a very well-deserved Best Picture nomination. Yeah. I do want to see that. Um, uh, but In the Name of the Father, I, I thought it was great. That was a great yeah. movie. And then The Fugitive. And then Schumer's List is literally, like, that's the best film that Spielberg's ever directed. It's not yeah. my favorite film that he's done, but it's, it's the Same best here. film that he's done. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I love the film. It's so much fun. It's so the, the fugitive, not Schindler's List. Schindler's List is not a fun movie. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, it's so exhilarating and intense, and it's the chase thriller that we really don't get anymore. A lot of people may look at it as like formulaic and cliched, and sure, it's a little on the nose and it's a little bit predictable. But even still, you have no idea where it's going. You have no idea what's going to happen, and it's great. And then they made a shitty spinoff to it, which they should never have done. They never should have made U.S. Marshals. That was the stupidest decision you could possibly do. Yes, Tommy Lee Jones as that character is great. He's so good as – I had to pull up his name because I just forgot his name. Uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal Sam Gerard. He's great. But, yeah, it's it's a really great film. And to me, it's my it's the best thing that Harrison Ford has been in that isn't a franchise film. Mm-hmm. So – I don't know if this is on your list, but I'll just ask anyway. What are your thoughts on The Fugitive? Well, Brian, it's actually number two on my list. So, um, yeah, it is uh, absolutely one of my all-time favorite Harrison Ford movies, favorite performances. Um, I I mean, echoing literally everything you just said, um, I think both men's performances propelled this movie to be nominated for Best Picture. I don't think if it was for... Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford, this movie would have ever made as much, and it made a lot of money, this movie. Um, Made a lot of money, had a lot of uh, awards, acclaims at the time. Um, Stacked year with Schindler's List, so it really just unfortunately didn't have any chance, but um, it's a movie that was always on TV also um, after it was released in theaters. I mean, you couldn't escape it. Um, that, that line when you said, when he's like, I didn't kill my wife and, and Tom Lee Jones says, I don't care is not only funny, uh, you know, it's about a murder of a wife. So that's not exactly funny, but it is funny in the movie. It just is. Um, he makes it funny. And then from then the, the part that I love about that scene is that Harrison Ford jumps from, um, a really high height (laughs) into the water Um, and it is astounding. Obviously he probably didn't do that in real life, but, um, the movie makes you think that he did and that Mm -hmm. he survives and it keeps on going from there. He's trying to find the one armed bandit basically that, um, killed his wife. Um, what I love about that movie is, uh, the beard choice in the beginning, um, to make him, you know, look more distinguished. Uh, he is supposed to be, you know, well-respected. He wins like an award, um, in the, in the first frames of the movie, um, and then all of a sudden he's on a run on the run. The reason he's on the run is because he was actually in the beginning of the movie convicted for his wife's murder. He gets 
jailed. Um, he's on the bus to go to his life sentence in prison forever. Um, and a, an incredible bus crash scene happens uh-huh. where he yep. escapes. If you haven't seen The Fugitive, please, everyone who's listening, go watch this movie. If only for the bus crash scene and Harrison's grand escape that he has during this movie. It is edge of your seat and it is a scene that will be etched into your brain forever um it's incredible he's incredible in it um i absolutely agree with everything that you said about this movie um i i i can't love this movie more i did not get to rewatch it over the weekend but that is on my list to rewatch again because i've seen it a bunch of times but it is uh it's definitely up there one of my favorites it's truly so good, and really, like I said, they really don't make films like this anymore. No, like how I often do we get did. these chase thrillers? We don't, we don't get these anymore. No, and when they try to do them now, they're just not, they're just not as good. Not as good. Um, maybe casted, you know, just in, in wrong. Um, uh, you know, they don't put enough money into it or they put all too them much have money Liam into Neeson it. In thinking it. It's That's all that they do. All of them have Liam Neeson <laughs> right. now. <laughs> and I, and, and so I love Liam, finding... I, I love Liam Neeson, but like, yeah. but it's, uh, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Enough of it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I love this movie. I wish that they would make more of these. Um, unfortunately for, uh, some of the actors that would be in these kind of movies, they're all now in Marvel movies, which I love. I like the Marvel movies in DC, you know, they're entertaining, but mm-hmm. they're not this, like you said, this is a non, yes, it was based off of a TV show, but it's not really a franchise. I mean, it's a completely different um, thing. This, yeah. this movie, um, totally different, you know, the Tommy Lee Jones character, I don't even think is really part of the, the TV show. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's its own movie. And yeah. um, I, I, I really wish that they would make something like this again. Um, I wish to God that they don't remake this movie with somebody else. I don't want that to happen. Um, but I wish that they would make similar movies like this again, for sure. I know. I know. I hope they don't remake this. I feel like they're probably going to at some point. Oh, I'm sure it's on somebody's list. Somewhere. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be remade with whoever the hot name is. I wouldn't be surprised yep. if they do with like Chris Evans or something. It wouldn't right. surprise me one bit. Yeah. Um, if they if they were to remake it now, I would love for them to cast someone that's an unconventional pick. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't want them to cast like the the cliche pick. I want them to cast someone who you wouldn't expect. Right. I don't know. I, this is just a random name, but like, I don't know. Like Daniel Kaluuya, that wouldn't be a conventional sure. pick. Yeah. Like I, I would watch that. Or I mean, yeah. he's done a on the run movie. He he already did his on the run movie. What was that <laughs> called? What What was that movie called that he did a few years ago with Jody Turner Smith? Where they were on the run. Oh gosh, um, I, I, I forgot the name of it. Um, Dan- let me see. I can look it up. <laughs> Daniel Kalua. It was called. It was called. It was called. There's two names, Qu- wasn't it? Queen and Slim. Queen and Slim. Yep, you're right. Or if I we're never going off, it- that is a. That's a blind spot for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I need to see that too. If we're gonna go off yeah. uh, Judas and the Black Messiah people, how about Lakeith sure. Stanfield? <laughs> yeah. How about him? Yeah. Now that I would watch or, in a heartbeat. I mean, I'd be okay flipping it. Let's have a female lead, and oh, absolutely, uh, she's trying to figure out who's, uh, you know, who's murdered her husband, and um, you know, it could be 
let's you know we use nicole kidman a lot we could use her again like i would not? use her um, Je- Je- yeah. <laughs> uh jessica chastain let's use yeah, her um absolutely. yeah man that's mm, yeah now now let's now i'm interested in another fugitive movie if they decide to I go know, on right, a conventional now route about it yeah, now I like, now no, i want it to happen make it but yeah <laughs> now i want it to happen <laughs> um so uh going into my number two is a film that's probably your number one or at least a film from this franchise is your number one. So uh, number two for me is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I I mean, how could you not go with this? I, it's hard because, you know, I was struggling to pick which Indiana Jones film I wanted to put on this list because, I mean, of the three of them, they're all great. All three of them are great, but you, you got to go with the one that started it all. And again, similar to The Fugitive, we don't get movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark made anymore. Now, what I find to be so cool about this movie was that Steven Spielberg had always wanted to make a James Bond movie. He had always talked about how he dreamt of directing a James Bond film. But he was never given that opportunity. So then when George, after Star Wars came out, like when A New Hope came out, George Lucas decided to write this character, Indiana Jones. He was like, do you want to direct this? It's kind of like James Bond, but it's also not like James Bond. It's James Bond in the sense of him going through the jungle and exploring artifacts and being an archaeology professor day by day. And then by night, he's swinging the whip and flying around and doing all these things and everything. And yeah, I mean, this film is so incredible. I just rewatched this yesterday because obviously the new Indiana Jones film is coming out in just a couple of days. And yeah, man, I, it's great. It's great. Uh, growing up, I was not a huge Indiana Jones kid. I, I've always liked the Indiana Jones movies, but it's never been one of those franchises that I would geek out over like a Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Like those were always the franchises for me. And of course, Star Wars. I grew up loving Star Wars. My love for it has definitely dwindled these last few years, but I do really like Indiana Jones, and I appreciate these films very much. And obviously, I love Spielberg, and just the idea of Spielberg and Harrison working together is match made in heaven. I mean, they, they're like peanut butter and jelly. They, they have such a great dynamic together, and Harrison's great as the character of Indiana Jones. I can never see anyone else playing Indiana Jones besides him, mm-hmm. and literally, and I've said this word many times today, but literally, Indiana Jones, young Indiana Jones specifically, uh, uh-huh. he's daddy. He is daddy oh, yes. for sure. Um, oh, yes. When he's even when he has like dirt covered on his face, he still could be daddy. And then when he's a professor with those glasses and that suit, I'm like, yep, yep, still he still has it. He he still got it. Uh, but no, Raiders of the Lost Ark is just one of the most exciting adventure movies to ever come out. It's what I look for in an adventure movie. I think the action is very well done. I think the performances are really, really great. The score by John Williams is fantastic. Spielberg's oh, direction is the great. Best. I think the screenplay is really, really strong, too. I mean, like, it's a serial film, but it's also an action-adventure movie. That It's just so cool. You have this archaeologist who's fighting Nazis and everything and kicking their butt, and it's so good. It's so good. And I was recently listening to an episode of the very fantastic podcast, Smartless. If anyone has not listened to Smartless, you need to listen to it. So Steven Spielberg came on very recently, and 
I think Will Arnett had posed a question of the sequence where they're in. I forgot where they are. I forgot specifically where, what country they're in. Uh, Cario and um, that chase sequence has happened where he's going to find Marion. Then that one guy's just swinging his sword around, and then Inji just shoots him, and then just shrugs and then just walks away. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg had talked about when they shot that scene. Harrison Ford was he was sick. He had a stomach bug. It was something that he had eaten. And Harrison's like, I only got one hour to shoot something. And Steven's like, oh, but we have three and a half pages to shoot today. No, you only have me for one hour. Then I could go back to the hotel. So then I don't know if it was Harrison's idea. Or, 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 or Thank you. I don't know if it was Harrison's idea or Spielberg's idea, but someone was like, oh, why don't we just shoot the guy? The guy's flaying around the sword, and it was supposed to be a three-and-a-half-page fight between the two of them. So then he just shoots him, and then he just moves on. I, I just love that so much. I think that's just so iconic and everything. But and it's the funniest part of that movie. It, it really is. And that what I uh, – sorry to interrupt you. But no, when, no, when, go ahead. When uh, What I've heard before about that, that sequence is that um, that poor guy who's swinging the sword and doing all his stuff – he had like practiced for so long. I mean, yeah. He's in this like huge, like part of the scene and it's supposed to be this big epic thing. And then he just ends up shooting him. And so like all those rehearsals, all that work and he ends up just getting shot on screen and that's it. But it's like the iconic part of that movie. So it it's it just, is. You know, he's still it's, in it. It's, it's the funny. most Indiana Jones moment of that <laughs> yeah. particular movie. And there's just so many Indiana Jones moments throughout this entire series. But that's like the one for that particular film. And I also find it so fucking cool that this movie was nominated for Best Director and Best Picture of the Oscars. I think that's so that's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. Because, again... We never have films like this nominated because all the films that get nominated are just the basic Oscar Beatty movies. And the fact that something mm -hmm. like this got nominated is just so freaking cool, in my opinion. Also, how did John Williams not win score for this? But I, I have to look up who won uh, best score that year. I know that Chariots of Fire walked away with pictures that year. It was probably that that won best original yeah, score. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Vangelis won uh, for score for Chariots But the Fire, thing yeah. is, I don't remember anything from that movie when it comes to the oh, score, yeah, except no, for the cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all, that's all I remember from that. Yeah. I mean, you know, John Williams isn't exactly hurting for, uh, oh, for no. Oscars. He's Absolutely <laughs> he's not. I, yeah, funny. I mean, yeah. it's just so, it's so cool that that got nominated for best picture at the oscars i yeah. mean it was up against chariots of fire Atlantic city on golden pond and reds and i unfortunately have only seen chariots of fire and raiders i have not seen Atlantic city crazy enough as a new jersey and i feel like it's an <laughs> obligation of mine to see Atlantic city uh reds a friend of the show sophia that's one of her favorite films i'm sorry that i haven't seen that and uh what was the it's other a one? long one and what's the on golden pond i I have fun. to be. I have to be in the right mood for an old person movie. I have to be in the right mood for a movie like that. Old person family drama. I do. Uh, doesn't I do. exactly scream um, entertainment, but no, it's not a bad I, movie. It's, I do. Uh, I do love movies Raiders. like that. But exactly, it's not Raiders. Raiders is really spectacular. I mean, these first three Indiana Jones films are amazing. They're so good and. You know, this isn't my favorite Spielberg film either. It's definitely top 10 Spielberg for mm -hmm. me, but um, I just, I truly love what 
he and Harrison created together. And I really couldn't picture anyone but Harrison playing this character. And I find it so interesting that during this period, he was obviously still playing Han Solo. So I I think it's cool that we got to see two different sides of him because Han Solo is a very cocky, arrogant guy. And not that Indiana Jones isn't cocky and arrogant, but he's not as cocky and arrogant as Han Solo. And I I really genuinely do love these films, these first three. And yeah, he, he is daddy. And oh my God, Karen Allen as Marion in this. Oh my God. Literally. Perfect. Oh my God. Great acting. First of all, second, so fucking beautiful. So gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, literally so sublime. I love her in this and I love the villains too. I also love Alfred Malia making a little appearance in the open. I remember when I first saw this movie, when I was like 10 years old, right before it came to the Christmas school came out. And I was like, why do I know that guy? <laughs> and then when I found out it was Doc he's Ock. he's famous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then when I found out he was Doc Ock, I was like, oh, of yeah. course, brilliant stuff. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark is my number two. So obviously going into our number ones, you had already talked about Star Wars. You had already mm-hmm. talked about Blade Runner. I would assume an Indiana Jones film is your number one, unless if you're playing with us and you have paranoia as your number one. <laughs> Could you imagine if I was like, uh, morning glory um no uh indiana jones is absolutely number one for me um i i i, I did not pick raiders of the lost ark i picked last crusade i figured um, but i, I figured. have my reasons i have my reasons so, go ahead um i mean so <laughs> i had a reason for star wars a new hope because that launched really launched his career um into international acclaim and uh, to be a you know household name and what Last Crusade to me was one that I saw in theaters. I'm I'm older than you and I I got to you know experience oh, I couldn't this tell in at theaters. all. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> my my uh, gray hair and wrinkles aren't uh, aren't giving away. Um, but this is you know quintessential Spielberg at his best, in my opinion. It is, like you said about Raiders, it might not be my favorite Spielberg movie, but it is absolutely up there. Um, Last Crusade, to me, is perfect because of all the reasons you were talking about with Raiders of the Lost Ark, wanting to make a James Bond movie, but we're, you know, with an American um, actor, and let's, you know, try to uh, switch it up a little bit, make him an archeologist, he's a professor by day, all the things that you said. Last Crusade has James Bond in it. It has Sean Connery. Yep. And he plays his father. He's kidnapped in the beginning of the movie. Um, and it's the time of Nazis still. Uh, we're in like 1938, I think. Um, you get glimpses of Indiana Jones as a, a young boy scout. He's played by River Phoenix, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of awesome. Um, and then later on in, in, you know, kind of 1938, we find... Um, that he's on a quest to, to find the Holy Grail. And his father just happens to be a Holy Grail expert because I guess that's what we had in the world back in 1938. I doubt it. But for the movie, you know, it works. Um, he's kidnapped and he's trying to find his dad and, and also the Holy Grail. And it is a dynamic that works so fucking well with James Bond and Indiana Jones in the same movie. And I love it. And I've watched it a million times. It was something that my sister and I watched over and over again. There's a part of the movie towards the end when um, they find the Holy Grail. There were so many lines of that movie that I love. Um, he chose poorly, which is like often quoted by many of my friends, a lot of people in my life. 
Um, it's just something that, uh, you know, has, has stuck since 1989. Um, and there's a part of the movie towards the end where when they find the Holy Grail, he gets it. Um, his, uh, the, it falls down and, and there's, you know, huge explosions going on um, in, the, in the kind of cavern, whatever that they're in. Um, and Indiana Jones is trying to find, trying to grab the Holy Grail. And he's holding on um, to a rock. He kind of falls and Sean Connery um, holds his hand and he grabs him and he's still trying to get the Holy Grail. And I know this won't make sense to anyone but my sister and myself, but it's something that has stuck with me since I was a kid. Um, in in the part of that movie, uh, Harrison Ford is trying to grab for the Holy Grail and Sean Connery, as calm as can be, as everything is falling apart behind them, Sean Connery says to Harrison Ford, Indiana, Indiana, leave it. It's okay. And, you know, Harrison Ford kind of composes himself, grabs his dad's hand and, and he pulls him up and the, saves the day and whatnot. That's something my sister and I reenacted at nauseum when we were kids. <laughs> um, she would hold on to like one part of the bed. I would hold on to the other and we go, Indiana, Indiana. And I have absolutely no idea why that stuck with us, but for whatever reason it did. And I love it. And we get to find out that his name is not actually Indiana Jones. That is the dog's name that he had growing up was Indiana. He was actually named after his father and he calls him junior throughout the movie. It is just, like I said, a dynamic that works so well. Um, I love it. It's one of those kind of movies where you have established a character for two other movies before with Temple of Doom and, um, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And by that point, you're already in love with Indiana Jones, right? But then Sean Connery's character comes in and with every single di part of dialogue that they have between the two of them, he, father seems to always kind of bring his son down a peg. And it is amazing to see that in action. It's funny, it's action-packed, and it's a worthwhile story. Um, that's definitely my favorite Harrison Ford movie. Um, and I will defend that <laughs> as to anybody that says otherwise. But like, I mean, Raiders Lost Ark is a perfect movie. Um, I don't love Temple of Doom as much as I think other people do, but mm -hmm. um, I still appreciate it. I still like it. Anything is better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, those those first three are really amazing movies. Um, and it's all it's all Spielberg. It's all Harrison Ford. And it's all George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Last Crusade would be my second favorite of the series. And yeah. Sean Connery is really the main reason why. I mean, I think they cast that role so perfectly how you brought up how Spielberg wanted to make a James Bond film. And then, <laughs> flash forward, he cast yeah. a James Bond to play the father of Indiana it's Jones. Incredible. And it's incredible. And also, this was at the point where Sean Connery was fresh off his Oscar win. So yep. it was like perfect timing to cast him as this character. And, I mean, it has one of the greatest final shots in a film ever with all of them riding off into the sunset. And yeah. I can't imagine what it was like to be alive during this time or really in between 89 and 2000 and like i guess five or six or seven whenever they announced that they were doing the fourth Indiana jones mm -hmm. like imagine that this was it this was the end like i oh, can't yeah. imagine what it was, was like done. we didn't think that Harry yeah and i i wanted to mention when you were talking about raiders lost ark you have to imagine 
the man was almost 40 when he started Indiana Jones. Uh So we're talking about this iconic character that you feel like has been around forever, but he only started doing this when he was about 39, 40 years old. Yeah. And so Last Crusade comes out. He's in his, you know, later 40s. You think he's not going to be an action star, you know, Mm -hmm. into his 60s and 70s. And then they come out with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and he's doing it. And now we have Dial of Destiny coming out and he's 80. So he, He's literally like, played I mean, this character for half of it. his life. Half of his yeah. life he's played this character. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's so hard to like not put Last Crusade. Like it's – whenever people – are saying their favorite film in this franchise. It's usually either Raiders or Last Crusade. There are a lot of Temple Doom fans out there. I do enjoy Temple Doom. I really mm-hmm. do enjoy it. And the last thing I'll say before moving on to my number one. Yeah. I am just truly shocked, and I think you are as well, like everybody, that Kihu Kwan has an Oscar before Harrison Ford does. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful that you know, we talked about earlier about um, how The Fugitive was nominated for Best Picture and Schindler's List ended up winning. I, I think Steven Spielberg is always and Harrison Ford have always just kind of followed each other throughout their careers. And it was wonderful to see um, Key win. Um, and Steven Spielberg was there um, for it. And, you know, he uh, he had done the Fablemans. And so he was there for um, the Oscars. And it was, you know, it, it's wonderful to see even Michelle Yeoh, I mean, she's worked with um, so many people that were in that room. And it's, you know, it, it is a little strange that Harrison Ford hasn't won any, I don't think, like, really any award. Like, I don't, I really don't think that he's won too many, like, major awards, yeah. including the Oscar. And yeah, I mean, if you had gone to Vegas and put a, you know, $1,000 bet on um, who would win an Oscar first, Kihei Kwan or Harrison Ford, <laughs> Um, every single person would be a losing, that would be a losing bet. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, it is, it is very crazy. Um, but it's kind of wonderful. I loved last year during award season, seeing all the shots of Harrison Ford with Kihei Kwan now. Um, yeah, him presenting it, best picture yeah. was like, it made so much sense. Yeah. You knew, just, you knew right then and there, you knew right yeah. then and there that that was going to happen. It's like yeah. when they, when they said Halle Berry was going to present the award for mm-hmm. best actress, it's like, you knew right then and there what was going to happen. Yeah. Yep. It's uh it's uh funny how the Academy does that sometimes. Um, yep. When Martin Scorsese won, Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, and Steven Spielberg all presented that award. So it's like they're not going to not yeah. give it. E- even though, even <laughs> though George Lucas <laughs> never won an Oscar, but they all made right. the joke, which was really funny. Yeah. If you guys have not seen that clip, uh, look up Martin Scorsese win the Oscar for The Departed, and then just seeing the banter between those three directors before yeah. they present the Oscar to Scorsese. It's really, really great. And you know, speaking of George Lucas, fittingly enough, who does not have an Oscar. So my number one is a Star Wars film, but the question is, which Star Wars film is my number one? It's obviously not Return of the Jedi. I I do love Return of the Jedi, but it's not that. So it's one of these three films. It's Empire Strikes Back, of course. Okay, I was going to say that would be my guess, yeah. (laughs) So obviously I love Star Wars 1977. It's masterful. It's incredible. It's impeccable. I'm a big fan of The Force Awakens. Force Awakens is actually my third favorite Star Wars film. I know that there's a lot of people that are like, it's just copying the new hope. Oh, my God. So what? I like it. 
<laughs> I, I like it. So what? I mean, every Star Wars movie is similar to every other Star Wars movie. I'm sorry, but yeah. it's the truth. I'm sorry to burst all your bubbles. Don't come at me, please. But um, <laughs> um, Empire Strikes Back, similar to Blade Runner 2049, but not really since this film obviously came out just three years after the original. This film took what we loved so much about the first film, expanded upon it further, and gave us an incredibly engrossing sequel where the stakes were higher, there was more development towards the characters, you started feeling stuff towards the characters, and you had no idea where it was going. Now, earlier today, I was reading about how when this movie came out in 1980, people were very divisive on this film. A lot of them found it to be entertaining and very thrilling and exciting, but a lot of people missed what made that original so good, how it embraced the campiness and goofiness and zaniness and everything. And people have to keep in mind that George Lucas wasn't as involved in this film as he was with the original. That first mm -hmm. film, he wrote it and directed it. He wrote the story treatment for Empire Strikes Back, but the screenplay was written by, and I have to load up their names, one of them was Lawrence Kasdan, who of course, is a pioneer in storytelling during that time in the 80s. And I forgot the other writer's name. I'm loading it up right now. The other writer's name was Lee Brackett, and it was directed by Irvin Kirshner. And there's a reason why this is regarded as one of the greatest sequels ever made. I personally think this is top five sequels that I've ever seen. And... I like how it's darker than A New Hope. I like how it's more thrilling and on the edge of your seat than that previous film. I love it. It's great. I really do appreciate how it launched this franchise into stardom and everything, but I like where the sequel goes. I love the twists and turns that are encapsulated in Empire. I know that Han Solo isn't front and center for this film, but I really do like how the cockiness is more embraced and the arrogance is more embraced. And then slowly the relationship between him and Leia is built up and everything. And there's a lot of great looks of Harrison in this movie. I mean, he, even in the snow, when he's covered with all that gear, it's like, mm, yep, yep, he could, yep, he could still get it. He could still get it and everything. Um, but I, I just think The Empire Strikes Back is one of the greatest films ever made. And Harrison Ford isn't the reason why that is, but he's certainly an aspect of it. I think this film is flawless. I think it's incredible. I would have loved to have experienced this film when it came out in 1980. Just sitting Same. in the theater and just seeing the reveal of the fact that Darth Vader is Luke's father. I mean, there's a reason why that's still regarded as one of the greatest twists in cinema history. I wish that when it's I watched these the films, if not the greatest, I wish that when I was a kid, when I went through these films for the first time, that I hadn't known that that was the case. And I remember, I will never forget when I found out that this twist was a thing. I remember I was in the car with my mother. I don't know where we were going. She probably picked me up from school or something. I don't even remember. I was like eight or nine years old. And... um. It was on the radio, and they always played, like, movie audio snippets or TV snippets, like, in between songs and everything. And then when they played, Luke, I'm your father, I was like, oh, well, that's that's great. I got spoiled that. That's that's great. Thanks. <laughs> um, 
And I always love watching YouTube reactions of people who hadn't seen Empire Strikes Back and they didn't even know the twist and just the reactions. It's so priceless, especially if little kids watching it. I just love that so much. It really entertains me. But yeah, Empire Strikes Back furthers what you love about Star Wars and expands upon it. And it's one of the greatest sequels ever. And it ends on a juggernaut of a cliffhanger. I mean, again, imagine just watching this in theaters and then you have to wait three years to find out what happens next to Han Solo and everything. It's <laughs> insane. And, you know, ha Harrison's delivery of the whole I love you, I know, it's iconic. It's mm -hmm. incredible. And to really go back to my favorite Han Solo quote, it's tough because there's certain lines that he says that may not necessarily be funny, but it's because of how Harrison Ford delivers them that really makes it really entertaining. It's the whole, like, scruffy-looking nerf herder, and then he just turns, who's scruffy-looking? <laughs> but honestly, I, uh, honestly, my favorite Han Solo quote might be when Chewie laughs, and then it's just that close-up on Han's face. He turns and just goes, laugh it up, fuzzball. Uh-huh. Oh, it's 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 so good. Wonderful. It's incredible. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Harrison Ford film. I mean, I really truly do love it. You obviously talked about A New Hope. And I, see, I feel weird calling it A New Hope because it's it was called Star Wars. It was and Star I, Wars. I know. I, but I, I, I call it know, Star Wars. But <laughs> but um, tell me briefly your thoughts on Empire Strikes Back. I mean that was a that was a close one for me when I was thinking of because I I wanted to include a Star Wars movie and A New Hope, like I said I, I A New Hope Star Wars, I picked it just because um it it was the one that just launched everything but um Empire Strikes Back I think is a little bit more definitive Harrison Ford Han Solo um, character yeah we get the introduction of Yoda and we get you know a lot of um, a, a lot more to it, especially that that you know big climactic twist ending um, with Darth Vader. But um, you know Han Solo kind of being encased, and we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, we don't know where any of these characters are going to end up. It's a cliffhanger, and it's you know it, I it, like I said it, that's a that's a it was a hard hard decision to kind of narrow one down from that franchise. Um, I too defend Force Awakens. I like that movie a lot, and um, I appreciate that you do. It is a, I don't care if it's a copy or if anyone thinks it is. Um, it was a fun time at the movies. It was a lot better than the prequel series, in my opinion. Um, and uh, so I'd, I'd rather that one. Now, the other two that came after that, not necessarily, but, um, or I should say the third one that came after that, but, um, but. Uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back is uh, it is a masterpiece the first three are incredible movies like the first three Indiana Jones they are interchangeable in my head like yes I think that there are a lot of people that can fight you to the death about which one is better but to me they're all three of those those of that original trilogy set the tone set the pace and set characters in motion that we're still watching today in Mandalorian set characters in motion that we fell in love with and got to see their trajectory over those initial three movies and Empire Strikes Back just made it all kind of cohesively work with that cliffhanger because it made you want to watch a third one they didn't know if anybody would turn out for a second one they'd hoped that you know they obviously the first one did really well and they you know it it in in pretty much um, created a blockbuster along with Jaws 
and Indiana Jones, but how lucky are we as moviegoers that we got in a three, four year span, we got um, Empire Strikes Back, Indiana Jones, Raiders Lost Ark, we got E.T. and then Return of the Jedi. All like back to back to back to back. Like that is like nowadays it is filled with Marvel and DC and Fast and Furious, which I love. I still go and see. I love Fast and Furious movies. I can defend that. If you want to do another podcast on that, we can do that. But I have a soft um, spot for them too. I I enjoyed them too. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, we don't get to see a lot of these kind of movies anymore and done the way that they are. And I'm excited to see what um, TV versions do with Star Wars because I think right now that's where it's at. Um, And, uh, you know, I love a lot. I love a lot about Empire Strikes Back. It's an incredible sequel. Um, It's up there in my 80s sequels with something like Aliens, which I think is better than the original. Um, And so it's, you know, it's definitely up there for sure. I, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that pick very much. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most celebrated sequels of all time, and there's a reason why, and and it's just so influential to the genre as a whole, to the sci-fi genre, but it's also influential to the filmmakers. Like, there's a reason why it's regarded as one of the greatest films ever made. It's incredible how universally loved this original trilogy is, but especially Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that love Return of the Jedi as well, but... Those first two are just so beloved by, like, everybody, and it's incredible. And, yeah, Harrison Ford is the reason why we love those. So, you know, we could go on and on about why we love Star Wars and Indiana Jones, but we have to obviously give a shout-out to other Harrison Ford films. But before we do that, let's recap our list from 5 to 1. So, Matt, what is your list? Uh, My list, starting with number 5, was that wonderful tie of Working Girl and What Lies Beneath. Uh, great marathon if you want to do that four hours um, and then I had Blade Runner at number four I had Star Wars A New Hope at number three The Fugitive at number two and Indiana Jones and Last Crusade at number one and to recap my list coming in number five is Air Force One number four Blade Runner 2049 number three The Fugitive number two Raiders of the Lost Ark and number one The Empire Strikes Back so that is of our list so let's just quickly go through some of the honorable mentions and the films that we want to give a shout out to so Matt what are some films that you want to mention that almost made your list so I know we talked a little bit about Witness earlier um, definitely up there it is not as you know, uh, universally known as Star Wars and, uh, you know, Indiana Jones and Blade Runner and all the franchises that Harrison Ford has been a part of, but um, it is a a great honorable mention. Um, it is a great performance, his only Oscar nomination um, It, it from 1985. Uh, really very low-key, you know, crime drama that um, we get to see Harrison Ford play a police detective yet again. So, um, that's definitely up there. Um, Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger, kind of back-to-back. He played Jack Ryan. He was the second guy to ever play Jack Ryan, and that character's still going with John Krasinski doing it on TV. So um, if you ever want to you know, check out another Jack Ryan kind of adaptation, please uh, uh, look into Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger, both great movies. Um, and then one more that I had on my list that we didn't talk about, um, haven't seen in a while, but um, it is Mosquito Coast. 
um, based off of uh, the novel of the same name. And um, that is <laughs> peak sexy Harrison Ford. If you ever wanted to just see him sweat and looking incredible sweating, um, please go and check that movie out. Helen Mirren's incredible in it as well. Um, it, that's a that's a good one as well. So for me, in terms of the opera mentions, uh, I definitely want to shout out those Jack Ryan movies for sure. I haven't seen those in a hot minute, but I definitely think that he is my favorite actor to portray the character. And to be fair, yeah. I haven't seen everything it with this character. I have not seen the John Krasinski TV show. It's kind of hard for me to take him seriously as an action hero when I always think of him as Jim from The Office. <laughs> it's it's hard for me to do that, but um, yeah, I'll give those a shout out. Um. Witness, of course, definitely a high honorable mention for me. I I really like 42 a lot. I, I think he's very good as Branch Ricky, and I really think that his back and forth with Chadwick was really fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I think I remember Harrison saying something about Chadwick right after he had passed, and it was just so moving and everything. Um, yeah, I... I love Harrison in that. I, I, I think that's an underrated sports film that doesn't get talked about as much as it should, which is crazy because obviously Jackie Robinson is one of the most He's iconic celebrated. and influential athletes ever. <laughs> like you would yeah. think that that film would be popular. Um, a lot of people tell me I need to watch the age of Adeline. I have not seen it. Is that worth that watching? That's a blind spot for me. I haven't That's seen a blind it spot well. for you as yeah. well. Yeah, I need to, I need to check that out. Whoever they cast to play young Harrison Ford in that movie, I mean, looked exactly like him. It's incredible. I'll how, have to check that out. Like it's insane. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I guess, uh, I I mean, like I said, I haven't seen Working Girl. I have not seen The Mosquito Coast, but I'm looking at the poster, and yeah, he he looks great with those glasses and the long hair. I know they just turned that into a um a TV show with uh, Justin Thoreau, which actually just got canceled. Crazy yeah. enough, um, yeah. and I think it's so interesting with the film. River Phoenix is in it as his son, and then River Phoenix ended up playing young Indiana Jones later mm -hmm. on. I think that's really really yep. cool. Um, but yeah, those are it with the honorable mentions for me. I mean, obviously the Indiana Jones. Uh, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, then Star Wars and Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Uh, I love American Graffiti, but his role is very small in that. But I will so give small. a shout out to yeah. that because I do love that movie very much. Um, but I also think we gotta, we just, we have to give a shout out. And I know you talked a little bit about before, but how fucking good is he on Shrinking? He is so fucking good Ugh. on that show. It is one of my, like, I mean, if we were really talking about movies and TV on this instead of just, like, mostly movies, I mean, Shrinking, like, I think you mentioned earlier, it is up there on my, like, favorite performances of Harrison Ford. So if good. somebody hasn't checked out Shrinking, it is the same people that are behind Ted Lasso. Brett Goldstein created it along with Bill Lawrence, um, and uh, it is a wonderful show with Jason Siegel playing therapists. Harrison Ford kind of plays the veteran therapist in their, in their um, kind of group that they have. Um, he is heartfelt. He is funny. He is rough around the edges, everything that we like about Harrison Ford. And, but he shines through in this character. Um, I would absolutely vote for him to be um, a, an Emmy nominee. Um, Emmy nominations, I think close this week. So if anybody's listening, please, you know, consider him um, 
for a nomination, if not the win, um, depending on who else is nominated, but I can't possibly imagine anyone would beat him. Um, he's incredible in this, in this show. He really, like everybody holds their own against him. Um, and it is, it's an amazing ensemble. And I hope that this show continues on. I know it's gotten renewed, but I, I hope it continues on for at least a few more years longer than Ted Lasso ever did. So, um, yeah, uh, high, high up there on, on my list. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah, I love Shrinking. It's so good. It's some of the best TV that we've gotten so far this year. And um, I'm a big fan of Bill Lawrence. Scrubs is my favorite yeah. comedy show of all time. <laughs> uh, not including the knife season. It doesn't count. We don't talk right. about that. But uh, and <laughs> We don't I, talk I, about Bruno. <laughs> you know, I was a big – we don't talk about Bruno. Um, I, I really – loved Ted Lasso until this recent season. I think the last season, while it was not awful, it was just a massive step down from those first two yeah. seasons. And you could Agreed. obviously tell that Bill Lawrence wasn't as involved. So I think they missed Bill Lawrence because he was so busy doing shrinking and everything. Yeah. And yeah, shrinking is great. And I really do believe that Harrison Ford being the veteran actor and him having this great narrative behind him where he really hadn't done television until so late in his career that he really could garner not only an Emmy nomination, I really think he has to win in the back because I really don't know who else could take home the supporting actor in the comedy Emmy. I really don't see what other competition he has. I'm sure there's somebody, but like maybe one other of, than maybe, Ted Lasso people. Yeah, but. Brett Goldstein and um, yeah. uh, Tyler James Williams for Abbott. I, I really right. don't. I don't know who else there really is. I think Shrinkin's going to do very well this um, Emmy season by garnering a handful of nominations. And I really want to watch 1923 because, you know, you brought the Mosquito Coast and him and Helen Mirren reunite to play an older yep. couple in 1923. And that show's garnered so much acclaim. And it's even gotten renewed for another season. So Harrison Ford has a really great busy couple of years ahead of him and in the recent years really since the pandemic he's he's been so happy in interviews because he's done all these different projects he came back to play indiana jones he's in this comedy show of shrinking he's in this drama of 1923 he seems to be at the happiest that he's been in his career and so on and i love seeing that with him and to kind of lead that into our closing thoughts on harrison ford i've always loved harrison ford and I could speak for you saying that you've always loved Harrison Ford. Absolutely. He, he's one of the most likable on-screen presence that we've ever gotten and we're probably ever going to get. The fact that this guy's been acting for 50 years, pumping out incredible performances, he's had some duds. Every actor has their fair share of duds. There's no actor with a sure. perfect resume. But there's a reason why we always get excited to see Harrison Ford in something. He gives it 110%. He uh, he looks like he's having the time of his life, and you could tell he's having the time of his life. And you know, kind of brief, briefly going back to that statement for a second, not to go on to this topic for too long, but his cameo in Anchorman 2 is fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. It's so yes, good. It it's so good. I thought good. about putting that on my list, but I didn't. I was like, no, no, no. Let's stick with like lead performances and, and whatnot, <laughs> but... Um, absolutely he is hysterical I, I, he is out of like you don't we like where who got him to do this i have no idea adam I, McKay, I have no idea but I, uh yes i i have to like find the quote it's it's so good like the quote that he says it's incredible he's just like 
<laughs> Mac Tannen. He he's so he's so good. Uh, I just, oh my god, I have to find the quotes. I hold please everybody. It's this is just it's just so good. Um, I have to find it. Hold on, <laughs> hold please everybody. Um. Oh my God! I can't find the I can't find the quote. I don't. I I'm not gonna look for it. But he's just like, you guys got room for a warhorse here, and then he just transforms into like I a think stallion. It's, uh, you guys got room in this battle for an old warhorse, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's so good. And then he just transforms into like the stallion or something. Yeah, like, or the centaur <laughs> or whatever. Like they're what? like, you're too old for this or something. Like it's this. Uh, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Oh man. But yeah, what are your closing thoughts on Harrison Ford? I love that you were talking about his interviews right now um, because I've noticed this about him. I have uh, yet to interview him. I would love to uh, one day. That would, that is a bucket list item for sure. Um, but he, you know, he is a no bullshit energy type of person, and I think that he's always kind of been like that throughout his career. But um, what's interesting about him right now is I've seen him in interviews talking about Dial of Destiny, talking about shrinking, and he seems to just be enjoying life. He seems to be loving this, like, this press tour right now for Dial of Destiny, or at least joking around with the interviewers, um, having a little bit more fun than he used to um, with shrinking. Um, anytime I've ever heard anyone talk about him from that cast or when he's talked about working on that show – there's a light there that I don't think that he is projected in quite a long time. And I think it took him a little bit to find some projects like 1923 and shrinking and whatnot that he really got excited about again. Um, you know, he was doing some, some, you know, off movies, like you said, everybody's got their clunkers, but um, now he's going to, he's joining the Marvel cinematic universe soon. And um, I, I think he's having fun not knowing what the fuck the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. Because I think that he, like, if you hear him in interviews and somebody asks him about his Marvel part, he has absolutely no idea what anybody's talking about in, like, the comic book world and whatnot. Um, so it's kind of fun just to see him just kind of riff and do his thing. Um, and I think he's just enjoying himself. And I, I like seeing that. I think that's fun. Um, and that just makes him even more of a, draw to me i'm i'm seeing dial of destiny this week can't wait um and i will continue watching shrinking obviously and um he's he's one of my favorite actors of all time and will continue to be he's a, he's a force you know not to not to use that word but i will he's a force he absolutely is and matt i had such a blast talking to you tonight about harrison ford thank you so much for coming on today to gush with me about this wonderful human being yeah, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for hosting this podcast. It's great. Absolutely. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Can you tell our listeners where they could find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthew underscore Kreef or on Instagram at uh, Matinee with Matt. Um, or just, you know, Google Matthew Kreef and uh, see what pops up. Any articles that I write for any outlets I'm writing for right now. All links to that will be in the description below, guys. And you guys can follow me on all social medias at Brian Suffield. You guys can find the show on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date with what's going on in Film Fragments. 
rate and review on any podcast platform. Share this around. Let people know why this is the best film podcast to listen to. Actually, it may not be the best, but it's one of the best. Make it one of the best, please. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to this show every single week. I really do appreciate. We just hit our one-year anniversary a couple days ago, and I'm so, so thankful for every single one of you guys who have listened to the show throughout the last year, and we have so many great episodes coming your way. Lots of great guests, lots of great topics. Be on the lookout for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know your favorite Harrison Ford films. Reach out on Twitter, Instagram, however you want to reach out. Thank you guys again, seriously, for listening to this. And I will see you guys for the very next episode of Film Fragments. Take care, everybody.